Yes, a win for the Chiefs once again. Another one added to the win column. That is eight now. Eight and one on the season after the Chiefs went on the road against the Cleveland Browns, 37-21. Welcome into the Chiefs on Podcast. My name is Farzim Masuga and your host. Appreciate you guys, as always, downloading and listening to another episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. Hope you all enjoyed your weekend and enjoyed all of the football action on Sunday, as well as other football action over the weekend, whether it's high school, college football, whatever the case is. Uh, but surely you guys all enjoyed the Chiefs game on Sunday. We'll talk about that, break down the game uh, as the Ohio natives took over in this game. Uh, a good homecoming for the Chiefs Ohio players. Uh, five total touchdown, touchdowns from those guys. So a good game for Kareem Hunt and Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. Once again, having another great game and doing some interesting things with uh, the, the record books. I'll get into that. Uh, feels like we do that every single time. Uh, each week uh, on a recap edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. So we'll touch on that later on. A lot of you guys had some thoughts on the defense. Uh, I'll get into that as well. We did the Facebook Live video, and a lot of you guys seem to focus solely on that Chiefs defense and Bob Sutton. I can understand that. We'll touch on that, and I'll tell you something. Might not make you feel better, but might alleviate some of the concerns you have with this Chiefs defense moving forward. So we'll touch on that. Plus... The Chiefs now have the best record in the NFL once again. Yes, that means the Rams fell to the New Orleans Saints on the road. Uh, The Rams suffer their first loss of the season. So the Chiefs and Rams each have, uh, they both have rather, uh, the best record in the league with an 8-1 record. The Saints, on the other hand, 7-1, so about a half game behind the league's best record because they've already had their bye week, whereas... The Chiefs and Rams have not. They still have, uh, they'll have their bye week in a couple of weeks after they play each other in Mexico City. Going to be very interesting. A lot of people already talking about that game between the Chiefs and the Rams. I won't get into it a whole lot, but I, I will touch on the fact that, gosh, I mean, it's been just a tough season for Marcus Peters. A lot of people talked about that. Uh, people, when Peters uh, opened up the season with a pick six against the Raiders, and a lot of Chiefs fans. We're saying, you know, it could be a, a pretty annoying season hearing about Marcus Peters a lot. But now that he's having such a bad season, uh, Chiefs fans love hearing about it. So it, it, that's just the way it's kind of worked out. Uh, but, man, it has, has been a really bad season for him. He allowed the uh, game-winning, uh, well, not the game-winning touchdown, but the uh, the touchdown that helped seal the deal, essentially, and allowed the Saints to pick up that win, handing the Rams their First loss of the season, the uh, only unbeaten team from start to finish, the uh, 72 Dolphins. That still stands as the only perfect team in NFL history. All right, we'll touch on uh, some of the things outside of the Chiefs later on. We'll look at the AFC West. Uh, Very interesting week for the AFC West, as a matter of fact. Plus, kind of go over uh, something that uh, was tweeted regarding defenses in the NFL. Again, if you're a Chiefs fan and you're concerned about this, I think your concerns will be alleviated at least a little bit when you hear what was said uh, by one national pundit out there. But looking at this Chiefs game against the Cleveland Browns, uh, I mean, let's start with Patrick Mahomes because where else would you start with this football team when you want to recap a game? Makes sense to go straight to him. 23 of 32 in this game, 375 yards, three touchdowns in this game, one pick, and that was on uh, the, the final play 
right before halftime. So it's not like it had a big impact on the game. The the defender was immediately uh, forced out of bounds. So it's not like that had a serious impact on the game. Uh, Mahomes, by the way, one touchdown away from having four. It would have been his fourth straight game with a four TD game. Uh, Would have been interesting to see, but still nonetheless. Uh, 29 touchdown passes on the season, obviously leading the league. I'll get into Mahomes a little bit later, uh, but this was a game for the Ohio Natives. It really was. They had a great homecoming. Let's start with Kareem Hunt. He had the first touchdown of this game on a 50-yard catch-and-run play uh, from a screen pass, and then he ran it two more times in the end zone. Had 91 yards off 17 carries, plus the 50-yard catch-and-run play that I just mentioned. Hunt, by the way, has had seven touchdowns in the last three games, the, the, the two previous games coming into this one had the uh, air Kareem Hunt moments that everyone just just flat out noticed. Uh, and, and now he's just flat out dominating, got into the end zone three times. He has scored a touchdown in every single game this year with the exception of the first game. And even then, uh, the second game and the third game of the season, of the season uh, Kareem Hunt wasn't doing a whole lot in terms of getting a lot of yards. He was getting to the end zone a little bit, uh, but he wasn't helping the Chiefs' offense a whole lot when it came to picking up first downs, uh, getting a lot of yards, and he has been able to do so since then, and that's really helped Kansas City. And here's the other thing, and I'll get into Spencer Ware because he, he contributed quite a lot in this football game, but this running game is going to be very important for Patrick Mahomes because and I don't want to use the word pressure uh, because I, I, that is a very strong word in this kind of case with a guy who is essentially a rookie this year for your football team. Uh, but you look at how this defense has played, not necessarily great, uh, but at the same time, uh, and, I, and I do want to get into the defense later too because I feel like they're not getting the credit they deserve. Not saying they're perfect, and I'm not saying Bob Sutton's job security is is completely in good shape or anything, but... I feel like the defense has done some things that has helped this team out a little bit. But look, you never know if Patrick Mahomes has a really bad game one day. And he's going to need to lean on someone else to to help out. Every elite quarterback needs that from time to time. And I think in Kansas City's case, you have Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware, two guys who can really help take over a football game when needed. You look at Spencer Ware in this game, probably his best game this year, coming back from that torn ACL he had last year in the preseason that was in week three, I believe, against the Seahawks in Seattle. Uh, suffered that injury and missed the entire year. And he's done a good job coming back in. They've gradually given him some of the uh, load and responsibilities on offense. And you're starting to see him have a, a bigger hand on some of these football games. You look at what he did in this game. I mentioned probably his best game since coming back from that injury. Four catches for 69 yards. Also ran twice for 12 yards. Helped the Chiefs move the football a lot in the second half to uh, improve in time of possession. The the Browns dominated that set. Part of it had to do with the fact that the Chiefs had two touchdown uh, drives, uh, short-lived touchdown drives, by the way. Uh, And uh, in the second half, they got better in that, and Spencer Ware was a big reason for that, keeping Baker Mayfield on the sidelines for as long as possible. So you're going to need Hunt and Ware to continue this this trend uh, of success that they've had lately especially working together and it's kind of reminds me of Thomas Jones and Jamal Charles and I think statistically speaking you'd see mirror images on the stat sheet but the reason you don't see that is because this is not a run first football team 
Whereas back in 2010, when you had Jamal Charles and Thomas Jones, that was a run-first football team. Matt Castle had a pretty good season that year, but Charlie Weiss and Todd Haley, uh, they did something, uh, they had a plan essentially where they ran the football a lot. And you look at a lot of the run defenses they went up against that year, a lot of those defenses did not do a lot to try to improve in trying to stop the run. So the Chiefs or offense, excuse me, uh, they had a great season, number one in the NFL that year. Uh, so I think this duo of Hunt and Ware, I think is very similar, similar, and they could do what Jones and Charles did that year. Uh, but the, obviously when you have Patrick Mahomes, you don't want to be a run first team. You're, you're going to pass a whole lot more. Uh, but if there ever needs to be, be the case where you need to go run heavy in a football game, you can lean on, uh, Kareem Hunt. And Spencer Ware, and coming. If you guys listen to the uh, preview episode, I did say that I was hoping the Chiefs would throw the ball twenty to twenty-five times with Mahomes, uh, but instead they threw it thirty-two times with him. I was hoping to see the uh, Chiefs running game uh, really just take a lot of the load on offense and kind of let Mahomes sit back for for one game. Uh, considering you haven't had a bye week yet, I know you'll be getting that in two weeks, but it would have been a great opportunity to, to, to maybe just let Mahomes step back a little bit and let the running uh, running backs just put up some big numbers. And they did that in this football game. They certainly did. Uh, Kareem Hunt had the three touchdowns. Spencer Ware also had a lot of yards to help contribute to Kansas City's win and the offensive success of 499 total yards, by the way. Uh, and by the way, not a single player... Ran for 100 yards, nor caught 100 yards. Uh, Travis Kelsey came close. He had 99 yards, and I'll get to him later. Uh, but if you go for total yards, okay, Kareem Hunt did have the, uh, how many rushing yards was it? 91 yards, and then he had the 50-yard catch run play. So he did have 100 total yards from scrimmage. But as far as one individual rusher or one individual receiver, nobody surpassed that 99-yard mark in the Chiefs. One yard shy of 500 yards. And again, uh, you know, say what you want about Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and Travis Kelsey, all three who did a good job in this football game. Uh, but but then you've got guys like Spencer Ware contributing and making plays. It, it, you just have weapons all around. Chris Conley might have uh, one of those games where he contributes a little bit more than he usually does. Same with Demarcus Robinson. So it's good to see the Chiefs be able to, to, to use Spencer Ware in. Again, uh, if Patrick Mahomes finds himself in trouble, if he's throwing two, three, four interceptions or he fumbles a little bit more than he usually does, well, uh, maybe if your defense can come through for you and not let you fall so far behind, maybe you can lean on your running backs a little bit and let them uh, carry the load. So that would be uh, interesting to see if the Chiefs ever run into that situation. Hopefully not, but look, realistically speaking, uh, every quarterback has his bad game occasionally, even the elite ones. And uh, it'd be interesting to see how the Chiefs decide to uh, move forward with that in a game. And if the running backs can help take over and and take pressure off Mahomes. Uh, and I will just say this about the defense. Like I said, I'll get to the defense later. I, I know they're not playing uh, great defensive football. I, I, my analysis of the defense, how they did in this game, could be a repeat of what I've said in previous games. Bad coverage, bad tackling, you get the idea. But the thing about this defense, too, is the biggest thing that people don't give them credit for is they don't allow a score on their opening drive. The only time they've allowed a score on an opening well, first of all, the Chiefs have won the coin toss in all nine games, and in all nine of them, they've decided to defer uh, essentially kicking the football. So they've never started a football game with possession of, uh, of the ball to start a game. And... 
that can be kind of a, a, a dangerous situation to be in because when you start off with the football, opening drives are always important. Being able to score a touchdown to start a game, it sets the tone. You know, starting uh, starting the season off with a win, hey, that, that could set the tone for the rest of the year. You, you score a touchdown on the, on the opening drive of a game, that could set the tone for the game. If, if you uh, receive the football to start off and you put seven on the scoreboard, well, uh, that could force uh, the opposing team to maybe change their game plan on their opening drive. Uh, not not the ideal start for them, already behind 7 nothing, and they haven't even had the football yet, and they have to maybe change things up a little bit. You haven't seen that with Kansas City. The only time they've allowed a score, that was on Monday Night Football against the Broncos. My point in bringing this defense up and tying it to Patrick Mahomes is the Chiefs have never done anything to and sure that i mean the, the patriots game they didn't allow an opening score uh a score on the opening drive i should say and of course the broncos game the monday night football one they fell behind in the second half and and the chiefs had to rally in that one but the thing is at least early on in the opening drive the chiefs defense has not allowed a touchdown and it's crazy to think with the, with how bad this defense has been so even though this Chiefs defense, statistically speaking, one of the worst in the league, at least they're not putting pressure on Patrick Mahomes by allowing a touchdown on an opening drive. And then if the Chiefs offense gets in trouble on their opening uh, possession and the defense allows another drive, then uh, another touchdown drive, then it could be 14 nothing. The Chiefs have never been in that position yet. And you look at that, and I think that's something that you've got to feel pretty good about and at least take pride in because, look, I'll say it again. Momentum is a big thing in football. And you've got to set the tone early and have momentum on your side. Otherwise, if your defense does allow a touchdown, and again, like I said, if the offense goes three and out, they punt the football and your defense allows another touchdown, well, then you're down 14 nothing early in the game, and that's never a position the Chiefs have been in this year. It's going to happen one of these days uh, with Mahomes under center. I mean, you hope Mahomes is on your team for the next 10, 15 years, but uh, odds are if he's going to be on your team that long, you'll have one of those games where you're going to fall behind very early unexpectedly. And if that happens, look, you'll cross that bridge when you get there. We've seen Mahomes lead the Chiefs to a comeback twice against the Patriots and against the Broncos. Now, the Patriots won, they didn't win, but you get the idea. My point is, this Chiefs defense, as bad as they've been, at least they haven't put pressure on Mahomes and this offense to have to put up a lot of points. Now, have they forced this team to play really well? Because of the amount of yards and points they've given up this year? Yeah, sure. Uh, But it's never been terrible enough to the point where every single week this Chiefs offense has to put up a big chunk of points. Of course, they had a pretty good game against the Jaguars, against the Bengals, against the Broncos. And limiting them and what they've been able to do moving the football and getting to the end zone. So it hasn't been like that for the Chiefs every single week in this game against the Browns. Uh, managed to, I mean, they got into some trouble in the first half, but in the second half, they uh, only allowed uh, one touchdown, and it, it kind of got interesting for the Browns on offense, but uh, the Chiefs' defense, I, I think they're not getting the credit they deserve at times. Again, I'm not saying Bob Sutton is completely safe with his job or anything. Uh, I still think there needs to be some serious evaluation there, but my point is, there are some bright spots on this Chiefs' team that don't get 
mentioned a whole lot. Look, look at that forced fumble on Tom Brady when the Chiefs and Patriots played. That was a big moment right there that helped the Chiefs continue that rally back against the Patriots. They made plays like that a couple times this year where they've come up with a rare takeaway and giving the offense an opportunity to to strike and keep adding points on the scoreboard, uh, whether it's increasing their lead or trying to come back from behind. Uh, another one, not a turnover necessarily, but in that Broncos comeback on Monday Night Football earlier this year, uh, the Chiefs defense had a three and out and Denver was forced to punt the football back. So you've had moments like this where this Chiefs defense hasn't necessarily played well, but in key moments where they've mattered the most, they've done something to at least get the uh, football back, whether it's forcing a punt uh, in a very key situation or, or forcing a turnover and letting this offense uh, do its thing. So I do want to put that out there. I understand everyone's frustrated with this defense, and uh, and I haven't even talked about the defense in this game specifically, uh, b- but I did want to point that out because they've yet to allow a touchdown on an opening drive, and I think a lot of people just get so concerned with this defense, and I get that too. And there's something I do, I do want to mention with this defense when you compare it to the rest of the league later on, but I, I do want to go back to the offense because Travis Kelsey, uh, the other Ohio native, he had a really big game. He got two touchdown passes. Uh, the first one, very easy, just basically outran his uh, his defender on a one-on-one play. Second one, this one was, was very interesting. I thought this was a, a perfect... It, when you want to look at Patrick Mahomes, uh, when you watch uh, upcoming games or if... Local news station, for example, like Arizona, the Chiefs and the Cardinals getting ready to play. Uh, when, when Arizona TV stations want to give their audience uh, an understanding of what Patrick Mahomes is like, this is one of the touchdown plays they should definitely show. So the second touchdown pass Travis Kelsey caught, it was basically a line drive from Mahomes. Perfect accuracy, perfect placement, and great zip. The timing could not have been any better on this. Uh, Kelsey did have to jump up a little bit. To make this catch and pull it in in the end zone, uh, which helped the Chiefs stay ahead. The thing about that pass too is, it was also in a position where it could have been easily intercepted if Mahomes was off just a half second, or if the accuracy was just a little bit off, the placement was just a little bit off. Uh, A defender could have easily came in, either picked it off, or at least swatted it down, not letting Kelsey make that play. Uh, But Mahomes perfectly timed Everything uh, on that play right there got it to Kelsey's hands. And, of course, that was his second touchdown of the game. And I think that those kinds of plays. We love seeing the deep passes to Tyreek Hill and to Sammy Watkins. Seeing Travis Kelsey wide open and making plays. I mean, Travis Kelsey looks like a wide receiver sometimes. Not physically, of course, but with what he does, uh, outrunning a defender, stiff-arming someone, and uh, just basically evading defenders to try to get more yards. <laughs> it's just very interesting to see him do that. And then, of course, you've got your running backs there. Uh, but it's always been fun seeing all the different things Mahomes can do. We hear so much about his arm, but what about on those short passes right there? Trying to sneak it in to where the defenders can't get it, uh, and it's only his receivers who are in position to, to make that play in the end zone. And that's exactly what that pass was to Travis Kelsey in the end zone. So very cool to see. And uh, that was, again, Kelsey's second touchdown. He had seven uh, receptions for 99 yards in this game. I did mention his stat line earlier, one shy of 100 yards, uh, 499 total yards uh, for this Chiefs offense. 
like I said, I thought Mahomes would have had 20 to 25 passes in this game. That would have been my preference. They let him throw a little bit more than that. I would have preferred they had him throw it a little bit less and let Ware have a few more carries in the second half. But again, at the end of the day, uh, beggars can't be choosers. Uh, the Chiefs still won this game uh, by multiple scores and uh, came away with a, again, a, a huge win and uh, one on the road. Uh, the Browns, again, not a good football team, but they've they've been very competitive, especially at home. And this offense did its job. Uh, by the way, perfect four for four in the red zone. I'll get back to Mahomes and some of the record books involving Mahomes. No uh, NFL records necessarily, uh, but some franchise records. Very interesting to see what he is doing. I'll read on that in just a moment. But looking at the defensive side for the Chiefs, going up against Baker Mayfield, briefly left the game at one point, being evaluated for a concussion, but came back in. Uh, threw the football 42 times in this one, completed it 29 times, had 297 yards, a pair of touchdowns, had an interception he threw to Steven Nelson, who was also sacked twice in this game. Uh, but it was the running backs who were very busy for Cleveland. They did a lot in this football game. Uh, similar to uh, Spencer Ware and Kareem Hunt in this game. Uh, Nick Chubb had 22 carries for 85 yards, also had a touchdown for the Browns. Duke Johnson Jr., uh, had nine catches in this game for 78 yards and a pair of touchdowns. So uh, Nick Chubb ba- busy on the ground and Johnson Jr. through the air. But the Cleveland running backs, they were really the, uh, the, 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 the focal point for this Browns offense. Uh, David Njoku, the tight end, Antonio Callaway, Jarvis Landry, the, the receivers, all of them had 50-plus receiving yards in this game, but not enough to get through Kansas City's defense. Yes, this Chiefs defense, uh, they had issues with uh, with coverage, uh, allowing open receivers, especially on the on one of the fourth down plays. Uh, in fact, the Browns were two of two on fourth down before uh, not being able to con- convert on the third fourth down attempt. Uh, and of course, the tackling that was also an issue for the Chiefs in this one, but. Uh, not as bad as it's looked in in previous games. Uh, and I I, I know the uh, concern of. You know, how are the Chiefs going to do against the Rams and some of the other uh, high-scoring offenses when it comes to the playoff games in January? So that is a concern. I can understand that. I did mention the Browns' uh, fourth downs in this game, two of three. The Browns, by the way, very interesting uh, with with Greg Williams as the interim head coach and Freddie Kitchens as the interim offensive coordinator. Um, they went for two on all three of, after all three of their touchdown scores. And they failed on all of them. I was trying to look this up, and I couldn't find it. If you guys know, let me know. If you have the link, that'd be even better. I I seriously wondered, were the Browns going to break the single-game record in NFL history for most failed two-point conversion attempts in a game? Because they damn sure came close to it. I think they could have probably shattered that record in this game. I don't know. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, the Chiefs. Did a good job on all three of those uh, two-point conversion attempts. Kendall Fuller, uh, he contributed on two of those, uh, preventing them. Got an interception on the first one. He stuffed a play on the right side in another one. And then Baker Mayfield sacked on the third two-point conversion by a couple of Chiefs players. And I mentioned the interception. Threw it to Steven Nelson with about four minutes to go in the game. And that helped the Chiefs uh, basically kill off a little bit more time on the clock and wrap things up. Uh, one uh, thing I do want to nitpick, Anthony Hitchens, he ended up playing in this game, had some bruised ribs from last week's game, but hurt the Chiefs in this one a little bit. Uh, near the end of the third quarter, when it was third and goal from the KC 23, the Browns get to the KC 12-yard line, but Hitchens gets flagged for an unsportsmanlike conduct, kind of a silly play where he 
slapped the football out of a uh, Cleveland player's hand. And again, it was about to be fourth down. The field goal unit, assuming they were about to go out there, uh, but the Chiefs, uh, and they had these issues against the Jaguars, some of these unsportsmanlike penalties where uh, they couldn't keep their emotions in check. You've got to make sure you don't let these kinds of mistakes happen. The Chiefs had issues like this with Travis Kelsey. They fixed it up. We haven't seen Travis Kelsey do any of these kinds of things since then. Marcus Peters, he had some issues with this. It wasn't fully solved. It looked like it was at times, but kind of just kept going back and forth. Um, so I know his issues weren't ever solved, but... With Travis Kelsey, it was. And you know Andy Reid has solved that at least once, so hopefully he works on that with Hitchens and the rest of the defense if that ever comes again. Uh, because you cannot allow plays like that. That ended up being an automatic first down and going into the fourth quarter on that same drive. New set of downs. The Browns ended up getting a score to uh, to try to come back in this football game. And again, you cannot make mistakes like that. Never. And it hurts even more on third down, well, after a third down play, when it's four, fourth down coming up, and uh, that just hurts your team a whole lot. So, defensively speaking, again, a lot of issues in this game we saw before with the uh, with the, with the coverage, uh, some missed tackles in this one, uh, but not as bad as it's been in previous games. Uh, looking at special teams real quickly, uh, Damian Williams uh, got a block punt that allowed Kareem Hunt to get his third touchdown of the game just two plays later. And then, by the way, a uh, Cleveland fan apparently threw, like, one of those um, dog pound masks at a Chiefs player. And then Cameron Irving chucked it back into the stands. Uh, And, by the way, Damian Will is one of the backup players. I I mentioned this on social media. Uh, I guess one of the ways you can stop Tyreek Hill is if your own teammates start uh, blocking punts. I mean, that's one way to, to, to slow down Tyreek Hill on special teams. And he had a good game as well, uh, in, in all of them in the first half, if I remember correctly. Four catches for 69 yards, same exact uh, stat line as Spencer Ware in this game. Also had that 40-yard catch that he had to help the Chiefs move the football. So didn't get into the end zone, uh, but still made some plays through the year. He and Kelsey, by the way, have seven touchdown catches on the season, both leading the team in that category. Other special teams notes, Harrison Butker did miss a PAT, his second in as many weeks. He made all 61 PATs in his very young career prior to his first miss uh, last week. Had 28 last year, had 33 this year before the first miss. And I'm not going to panic. Look, uh, it's his second in as many weeks. If it starts to happen a third week and a fourth week, yeah, I'm going to start to question that and wonder why he's missing PATs because it could uh, be a factor uh, in playoff games or even coming up soon against the Rams. You never know. Hey, look, maybe even the Cardinals start to surprise us and they do some things and Harrison Butker is going to be needed to make all of his PATs. I get PATs. Uh, you see a lot more misses now because they've changed the uh, the spot of uh, where you kick the extra point attempt. So you expect that a little bit more. Uh, I mean, if, if he goes out there and, and hits 100 PATs, well, then you're going to miss a few. Every kicker's going to have one, even the best one. So uh, not, not, not nothing that I'm too concerned with. I saw some people on Twitter freak out over it. I'm not worried about it at all. It's just a second in as many weeks. Keep in mind, he made 61 PATs uh, before his very first miss just last week. So keep that in mind when you look at uh, his uh, two missed PATs in as many weeks. So I get the uh, frustration with that. You don't want that to happen, especially in a, a short amount of time, but... 61 is a big number, especially now with the uh, location of the PATs uh, for kickers. Other special team notes, uh, Dustin Colquitt 
Uh, by the way, going up against his brother, Britton Colquitt, who has punted more than any other punter in the NFL, whereas Colquitt has had the second fewest punts uh, in the NFL this year. In fact, he only had two in this football game. That is the fifth time he's had two or fewer punts in a game this year. He had two against the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers, the uh, San Francisco 49ers, uh, the Jaguars, and the Browns, and he only had one punt against the Patriots. So, shows you how good this offense has been. And even in the games where Colquitt has punted a few times, the offense still has gone out there and scored a lot. So, uh, Colquitt, not the MVP he once was. Oh, yeah, still doing a good job as a punter. One of the best in the league right now, in fact. But uh, we're seeing less of him, which is always a good thing uh, when you see less of your punter in uh, the NFL. Uh, I mentioned the Chiefs offense, 499 yards of total offense. Uh, not a single player ran nor caught for 100 yards. Uh, so it's good to see the Chiefs. Uh, offense be able to do that uh use all of their playmakers uh, just basically spread the football out and pick up first downs uh, move the football and, and get into the end zone the way they have uh top scoring team in the NFL by the way one thing I didn't mention the Chiefs have scored 42 points in the first quarter in uh, all nine of their games in the first quarter that is the most in the NFL so very good to see uh, let's get into some of the crazy Mahomes stats because I know that's what all what you all want to hear. Uh, he hit the 300 yard mark for an eighth straight game. By the way, he's very close to surpassing Len Dawson for most touchdown passes in a single season. Now, this might shock you, but the Chiefs don't have a lot in terms of touchdowns in a single season by. A quarterback. Part of it is due to the fact they've had a lot of great running back play. Guys like uh, uh, Marcus uh, Marcus Allen, Christian Okoye, Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, Jamal Charles. So you've seen a lot of great running back play, and that's been a big reason why the Chiefs haven't necessarily had uh, someone go out there and shatter the uh, single season touchdown pass record. Uh, Len Dawson, thirty touchdowns. Did it in 1964. So in 14 games, Len Dawson still has the record for most passes in a uh, touchdown passes in a season. That is Dawson again. He's second on the list with 29 in 1962. Again, that was 14 games. That was when he was a uh, Dallas Texans quarterback. So before the Chiefs relocated to Kansas City, Elvis Gerback is third on the list, 28 touchdowns in 2000. Trent Green, uh, he had. 27 touchdowns in 2004, and Matt Castle had 27 in 2010. Well, uh, I mentioned Gerback is third, uh, Green and Castle are tied fourth, uh, but move them all down by one because Patrick Mahomes in this game with his three touchdowns, he now has 29 touchdown passes, and he has it in nine games. Dawson had 29 touchdown passes in 14 games, so Mahomes has already tied him second for that. Mahomes just needs two more to pass Dawson's 30 touchdowns that he had in 1964. And again, he did it in just 14 games. So Mahomes in nine games is just one game away from tying that record, two away from shattering it. And you'd think that he could get that with ease this Sunday against the uh, Arizona Cardinals. And usually with these kinds of moments when someone breaks an NFL record or a franchise record, if they do it at home, they'll pause the game for for a brief minute and recognize that uh, through the PA announcer and announce it to the fans. 
and they'll have like a special quick, very brief, uh, either a video or just a graphic on the video board indicating what record that player broke. So that'll be very cool for Patrick Mahomes to do uh, at Arrowhead Stadium. So I hope he gets a chance to do that in front of the home crowd. A lot of people have been very excited to see him in all the games this year. I thought it was perfect how the schedule played out. Sure, you would have loved for the home opener to happen in week one, but the fact that the Chiefs were on the road for the first two games, and in the second game he had the six touchdowns, uh, that just made the home opener in week three uh, just the most anticipated home opener in in, in Chiefs history, uh, given how he went out there and uh, performed in those first two games. A big ovation for him when his name was announced coming out of the tunnel in that home opener. So uh, obviously Chiefs fans are uh, looking forward to see him each and every single Sunday uh, when they get a chance, whether it's on TV, on the road, or at home. Uh, he's always uh, worth the uh, price of admission. So going to be a very special moment for him to break that record. Hopefully he does it uh, next week against the Arizona Cardinals. By the way, uh, also uh, a franchise record books, Mahomes is now tied 11th with Joe Montana for most touchdown passes in a career in franchise history. Again, all 29 of them coming this year. He did play that Week 17 game last year against the Denver Broncos, uh, but he did not throw a touchdown pass in that game. Uh, So all 29 of his career touchdown passes have happened in 2018 so far. I do want to talk about Boomer Esiason and one of the comments he made. Uh, they were I, I was briefly watching the uh, NFL. Uh, so the uh, Kansas City area, they did not have a uh, late afternoon game on CBS. So I watched the uh, post-game show a little bit. Uh, if you don't have a late afternoon game, you get the uh, CBS crew. And I kind of similar story for Fox if you don't have a late afternoon game. And you can listen to some of their analysis and some of their recaps for some of the games that have happened so far. Boomer Esiason said something interesting. He uh, looked at the fact that the Chiefs had Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy. They were offensive coordinators recently for the Chiefs. Both now had coaches. Peterson obviously just won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback in Nick Foles. Whereas Nagy, he is now the head coach of a team that has Mitchell Trubisky, who is starting to make some strides for Chicago. Boomer Esiason suggested that the Cleveland Browns should actually look at Eric Bieniemy as their next head coach. Now, there's another offensive coordinator out there, <coughs> Josh McDaniels, who is also uh, rumored to be uh, a candidate for the Cleveland Browns, which I have no idea why you would consider him at this point. Uh, but you look at that, uh, I, and I posted that on Facebook and Twitter. And there were some angry reactions to that because he just became the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Well, folks, here's the reality of it. And I understand that... Now that, uh, what is this? This is Andy Reid's sixth uh, sixth season as the head coach of the franchise. The Chiefs have the, the Chiefs are one game away from finishing above 500 in all six seasons under Andy Reid. The reality is, when you win as much as the Chiefs do, and by the way, since Andy Reid's gotten here, the Chiefs have the third most wins uh, in the NFL. The reality is, your coordinators get a lot of credit for the success that you have. The reality is... When you have the success that your team has, and a a big part of it is due to the coordinators, they're going to be favorable candidates for other head coaching gigs out there. We've heard Dave Tobe's name hasn't left yet, but uh, every year we hear his name get tossed around as a head coaching candidate. Uh, Obviously, Doug Peterson, he's moved on to Philadelphia. Matt Nagy has moved on to Chicago. That's a good thing. I understand you want to keep your guys and all, but the reality is all of these guys want to become head coaches. 
They all want that. So you would hope that, you know, you have this kind of success. Otherwise, if you don't, sure, you're going to have your coordinators for a long time. Look at the defense. This Chiefs defense hasn't been consistently good. Uh, that's why Doug Peters, or excuse me, uh, Bob Sutton has been the defensive coordinator for a long time in Kansas City. I guess the I guess the, the best way to get rid of him is if you have a top-notch defense and he gets hired as a head coach elsewhere. I mean, that, that's the best way to get rid of him, I guess. But then you don't want to get rid of him at that point. Uh, but my point is, in reaction to some of the negativity that... Eric Bieniemy is being uh, suggested as a head coaching candidate for the Browns by Boomer Esiason. Well, look, uh, when your offense is playing as well as it does, that's just going to happen. Look at the Patriots. Uh, I'm going to try to remember all of the names I can. Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cornell, some of them with KC Connections too, or even locally with uh, with KU Football for Weiss. Uh, Cornell, uh, Weiss... Josh McDaniels, although he is now back in uh, New England. Uh, Eric Mangini. Matt Patricia just got hired. Uh, I know I'm forgetting another name somewhere in there, uh, but it's a big list. You get the idea. The point is... Oh, uh, uh, Bill O'Brien, by the way, was the other guy I was forgetting. The point is, the Patriots have had so much success in the last 18 years. Coordinators are a big part of that. And I understand the Patriots coaching tree. Those guys have not done very well outside of New England. Romeo Cornell's head coaching uh, opportunities. I mean, they've just been a disaster. We know that here in Kansas City all too well. Charlie Weiss, uh, we also know all too well. He, I mean, the job that he's done as a head coach in college football has not been very good. Uh, what he did at Kansas was a disaster. Uh, Notre Dame ran out of patience with him. Uh, Bill O'Brien, uh, it's been inconsistent in Houston. Uh, Eric Mangini got off to a great start, but then it started to decline quickly. Uh, but, but again, you get the idea. When they were coordinators for the Patriots... There's a reason why they got called up. They helped the offense do so great. They helped the defense do so great. That's why Matt Patricia is now the head coach of the Detroit Lions because of his job as a defensive coordinator with the Patriots. The reality is when you have that kind of success, you're going to lose your coordinators. That's not a bad thing. In fact, that's something you should feel good about because they want your guys. Yeah, sure, it'd be great if... Bill Belichick kept Charlie Weiss and Romeo Cornell forever, but the the reality is those guys wanted to go out there and get their shot as a head coach. Uh, Cornell did it twice, and Charlie Weiss did it twice. Did not pan out well for both of them in both of their tries, but still, they wanted those opportunities. Every assistant wants that opportunity. Some assistants, they become head coaches, and then they realize, you know what, being a head coach just isn't for me. So they revert back to being an assistant, and that's how they end up their coaching careers as assistants. Uh, Dave Campo, uh, in fact, uh, was at one point the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Didn't do a good job there, but went back to being an assistant a long time uh, uh, coach in the NFL uh, as a head coach and as an assistant. Uh, in fact, he was also the uh, defensive coordinator for KU for a little bit under Charlie Weiss, but uh, he realizes that you know being a head coach just isn't his thing, and being that assistant is a better role for him. So uh, sometimes you see that as the case. And listen, and I'll just use Doug Peterson as, as an example because I know the Eagles aren't having the greatest season. Maybe one of these days, maybe three years from now, the Eagles just flat out struggle and, and they can't make it to the playoffs ever again under Peterson. He gets let go. Well, he's got to go back to be an offensive coordinator somewhere. Maybe he goes back. To where Charlie or uh, to uh, Andy Reid's uh, offense, you never know about that. Look at Josh McDaniels; did not do a good job in, in Denver. Went back to De- uh, to New England and still is there, although he 
almost left uh, for Indianapolis, but you get the idea. So uh, those things happen with assistant coaches. They have those opportunities. Uh, they learn from their experiences, either good or bad. Uh, I guess Todd Haley's another good example. This guy's uh, he was a head coach in Kansas City and realized maybe it, not, it might not be for him. That's why he's been the offensive coordinator since then for the uh, for the Steelers and. Well, he was with the Browns, but it was uh, was let go last week. So uh, these things do happen with assistants. Uh, again, if you have good assistants, they're going to be wanted. So I understand missing them and being sad about it, but uh, the frustration I, I don't agree with. One thing that uh, I got a comment on the Facebook page. Someone mentioned that uh, their issue is that it causes a distraction during the playoffs and the uh, Teams should wait after the Super Bowl. Well, if teams wait after the Super Bowl, they fall behind the eight ball and other teams will get the other best candidates out there. The thing to keep in mind with the distraction, there really is not a distraction because those teams, the owner and the GMs, they will fly out to where that assistant coach is. So, for example, Eric Bieniemy, if the Chiefs are, if they have a bye week, it makes it a lot easier. Uh, but even if the Chiefs didn't have a bye week, if they had to go on the road, for Wild Card Weekend to, let's just say, let's just say Cincinnati. If they had to go on the road for their first uh, playoff game, well, then the uh, front office of the Browns, they would either visit him in Cleveland, or if the Chiefs did make the trip to Cincinnati a little bit more, well, then they, they've got a road trip to Cincinnati to meet with enemy and interview him there, talk to him there, make it a little bit easier. They always try to make it convenient for the coordinator if they are still uh, busy with their current duty. So do keep that in mind. I, I don't think it's a distraction. Uh, and listen, so what if the word gets out that the enemy gets hired right before a playoff game? Is that supposed to really distract Patrick Mahomes' ability to play? I, I, I don't see how that would be the case. I really don't. Uh, when Doug Peterson, when it was rumored that he got the head coaching job in Philadelphia, uh, Alex Smith just kind of played it off like, oh, really? I, I, I didn't know that. I mean, sure. I mean, it's hard to... Pretend like you don't know these things, but everyone does. Word just gets around, especially on social media and in the locker room. I'm sure these players uh, mention it one way or another, but uh, I don't think it's a distraction. I really don't. You just simply accept the job, but you tell your team, hey, look, I'm still going to finish the season with you guys. That's it. And I, I don't know where people get the idea that there's a distraction behind all this. Does it get brought up in the middle of practice? Does it get brought up? I mean, do players think about it in the middle of a play? I I, I don't understand why uh, fans think that is a distraction. So I just wanted to put, point that out there. Quick look at the AFC West. The Chiefs are eight and one, of course, with the big win over the Cleveland Browns. The Chargers six and two, defeating the Seahawks on the road. A uh, defensive touchdown essentially helped them pick up a win, coming off a bye. The Broncos three and seven, dropped their second straight game. Uh, losing uh, 19 to 17 to the Texans, missing a last-second field goal from Brandon McManus, and then the Raiders. Uh, boy, uh, just a horrible season for them. One and seven, lost on Thursday Night Football, 34 to three, to the 49ers, who were not using a backup quarterback. They were using a third-string quarterback in Nick Mullins, and they lost 34 to three. I think it was 31 to three going into the fourth quarter. So that's how bad it was for the Raiders. Look. I hope John Gruden knows what he's doing with these draft picks that he has. Uh, the Raiders are likely going to get the number one overall pick, plus two more first-round draft picks. Uh, boy, you better hit on all of them, and you better hope that you get impact player, immediate impact players with all three of those picks, plus have a good free agency, because if you don't, 
man, I don't even know if Vegas wants you at this point. I know I said this before, but holy cow, man, uh, this Raiders team is horrible. Uh, I, I just don't even know. I mean, you look at Vegas, and I know they had a lot of luck the first year with the Golden Knights and the season they had. Uh, but but fans in Vegas, if and a lot of them already have their favorite NFL teams, if the Raiders want to win them over, man, you better have a Golden Knights type of season. And let me just say this. I know the Chargers are doing really well, but the Chargers have never been that top-notch rival of the Chiefs. It's always been the Broncos and the Raiders. I'd love to see the Broncos and the Raiders succeed. Uh, obviously not against the Chiefs, but in other games because that's what defines a rivalry. When you have uh, two of the best heavyweights uh, you know, hitting each other back and forth nonstop, those are the kind of rivalries that you enjoy and you have fun watching the most. Uh, I'd love to see that where the Chiefs uh, with Andy Reid and the Raiders with John Gruden are the top two teams and they're always going back and forth in the division. I, I, that, that That's what makes a rivalry, but... The Raiders aren't even competitive right now. They just got torched by a third-string quarterback. That's how bad things are in Oakland right now. Uh, Oakland, Vegas, L.A., wherever they end up being for next year, they're eventually going to be in in Vegas. But, gosh, I don't know what kind of fan support you're going to have in Vegas. Lots of people are talking about how uh, they're excited to see the Raiders in Vegas. I have said this many times. But, man, uh, if if you're one of those people that – only goes to one game a year to see your team. Well, maybe you'll forego that to go see uh, your team in Vegas when they play the Raiders. And, and I'm wondering how common that trend will be because if the Raiders continue to play uh, at this level, I think they're not. I mean, they're not even going to have a, a home stadium. They're going to be playing probably fifty-fifty in terms of. Crowd support. Uh, I'm kind of concerned. Kind of, kind of what what's going on with the Chargers, and even the Rams. Uh, I know that there there have been complaints uh, about the home support for the Rams in LA, despite just now losing their first game of the year. So I'm not exactly sure why that's the case for teams like the Chargers, who are six and two. The Rams are seven and one or eight and one now. Uh, but it, it, the Raiders now at this point with a horrible record. And I don't know exactly when they're going to Vegas. No one knows exactly yet. But gosh, uh, I I just don't know if people are truly going to go out there and support the Raiders. And I think you're going to have a lot of tickets purchased by opposing fans because they're going to want to make that road trip to Vegas. You you have fun for the weekend. And then on Sunday or Monday night, you you go out, you see your team and you root for them against the Raiders. And then you go home the next day. Uh, I, I just don't see this going very well for the Raiders unless they hit on all their draft picks and have a good free agency soon. Otherwise, uh, this John Gruden experiment is just... Uh, I mean, the, if you think the meltdown's bad now, next year's going to be worse. It's going to be a lot worse. All right, I, I, I did mention the Rams. They fell to the Saints first time this year. Now the Chiefs and Rams have the best record in the NFL once again. They were both unbeaten at one point. Now they both have an 8-1 and one record. Uh, Would have been nice uh, to see them both undefeated on Monday Night Football. Uh, what, now, people are still going to watch this game because you've got the two best teams in the NFL, the two best records. Uh, the Saints, uh, they had their bye week already, so they're half a game behind these two teams. Uh, but man, it, it would have been just a little bit easier to promote this game to two unbeaten teams on Monday Night Football, but not the case. Again, still, you've got two uh, top-tier teams, the two best teams in uh, their conference. Well, I don't know if the Rams are the best in their conference anymore. Tiebreaker-wise, the, uh, uh, the Saints... 
Uh, I guess the Saints don't have the number one seed because they don't have more wins than the Rams. Uh, But once the Rams do have their bye week, that could change uh, for the the Saints. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how it would look right now on on NFL.com's playoff picture, but uh, you get the idea. That's the case right now. But the Chiefs and Rams both have the best record in the NFL at the moment. Okay, I want to read you a tweet that John Ledyard put out there. He is from the Draft Network. He tweeted that the Chiefs, Rams, and Saints defenses are all bad. Patriots defense not great either. And then he said, going to make for an interesting finish to the season. Now, he he just mentioned the top four teams in the NFL. The Rams and the Chiefs have been the best in their conference, and they've been beaten by the Patriots and the Saints, the second best teams in those respective conferences. Now, I do disagree about the Rams defense being bad, although they just allowed 45 points, so I can understand that as well. And they haven't played a lot of good, good offenses either. That's another thing a lot of people have mentioned. They're easy schedule so far this season. Uh, but those are the top four teams in the NFL. And I think that's interesting because if the highest scoring team in the Chiefs, they're struggling defensively. At one point, the Chiefs and the Bucks were the top two scoring teams in the NFL, but also had the two worst defenses in the NFL. Now the Bucks offense, they've obviously taken a big decline uh, but you get the you get the point. A lot of the top offenses in the in the NFL this year also have not done very well defensively. So what does that tell me about these four teams? Well, I guess my immediate reaction to that it's possible we have a lot of high scoring games in the playoffs this season. Uh, I I'd be interested in seeing if that ends up being the case. So for those Chiefs fans out there concerned that the the Kansas City's uh, defense is bad, well. There are other top-tier teams that are struggling as well. Does it make you feel better? Does it at least alleviate your concerns? I don't know. Let me know. I already have a a Facebook post up about it. Uh, I tweeted it as well. Let me know. I did not mention the uh, social media. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasukian. That's my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. Also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. And by the way, big thanks to all of you once again for joining me for the Facebook Live videos. We'll do it again this Sunday when the Chiefs and Cardinals play at halftime and after the game. So join me for that on the Facebook page. My email, farzine at farzinevesugian.com. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. And if you would, hit the share button as well, spreading out the word for the Chiefs on Podcasts. Uh, greatly appreciated if you guys do so. One last thing before I forget. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say on this, but I'll point it out there because this was an update provided. Uh, Tom Pelissero of NFL Network reported uh, Sunday morning in Cleveland that Chief Safety Eric Berry has made, quote, serious strides with his sore heel. And he also went on to say that the Chiefs are hoping to have him back in the next few weeks. I don't know what the next few weeks are. The word few uh, people have their own uh, definition of that word. Could be five, could be ten. I don't know. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, th- that's been the report right there. Uh, and listen, for, for a guy who was quote-unquote precautionary for week one and week two, and now he's day-to-day forever, uh, you would hope that he has made serious strides with his sore heel. Because uh, at this point, I don't know uh, what else to expect. Here's my thing. Here's where I'm at with Eric Berry. I, I don't want to repeat anything I've said to you guys, and, I, and I'm sure... If I were to repeat anything, you guys have seen it a thousand times on social media. At this point, whatever is being said about Eric Berry, I'll just believe it until I see it. 
when they say that he is going to practice, okay, I'll believe it when I see it. When they say he's going to play, I'll believe it when he's not on the inactive list for once. Uh, that's really where I'm at with the Eric Berry situation. I hope he comes back, uh, but I'm not exactly sure what to expect. I asked you guys, you guys on Facebook, uh, eight games remaining, now it's seven, but I asked you guys, how many games do you think Eric Berry will play? And a lot of zeros were posted on there. A couple of people thought maybe one or two in the regular season, maybe none at all, maybe just in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know. He could lose a step or two, and we, he would need a game or two to kind of get his feet wet and get back into the, the rhythm of things to be the same Eric Berry, but man, if his first game is against the Rams... I mean, okay, cool, he's back, but at the same time, uh, you've been gone for so long, your first game back against the uh, the last team to lose a football game, I don't know if that's necessarily the way you'd want to come back. Uh, you'd probably look no different than some of the other safeties on the team. So uh, hopefully he comes back and uh, tries to just get his feet wet and, and eventually, really quickly at this point, become the Eric Berry we are all familiar with we all know and love we'll, we'll see what, what happens there but man uh it would boost his defense it, it definitely would but uh at this point i'll believe it when i see it that's where i'm at with the eric berry situation that's it that'll do it for this episode of the chief zone podcast next episode we will preview the game between the chiefs and the cardinals also talking about KU football they just fired David Beatty Josh McDaniels I mentioned rumors are swirling he could be a head coach again why would anyone hire him also hilarious Jamarcus Russell story uh he was given game film on blank tapes was told to study them and he claims he studied those tapes when he was in the NFL I'll talk about that and much more on the next episode coming out on Thursday hope you guys enjoyed this episode Enjoy your week. Talk to you this Thursday.